The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. But if you have your Bibles... Would you grab them with me and would you open to Romans chapter 4? Romans chapter 4. While you're getting there, I want us to think about something, talk about something together. Uh, I want us to think about fences. Uh, Fences. In Texas, we love fences. If you're not from Texas, maybe you've noticed that. We love our fences. We lived in Dallas for a while. Let me tell you, Dallas loves fences. Um, I love them. Uh, They're intense. They're like fortresses uh, in in Dallas neighborhoods. Um, It's like a perfectly crafted wall if you've ever been there. Uh, My my parents live in North Dallas. They live in an area called Frisco. And uh, every time we go, we are just blown away by the intensity of in magnitude of these fortress fences that they, that they have. But early in our marriage, we lived in Kansas City, Missouri for about four years. We, we, were, we were living there. And we were shocked because in Kansas City, Missouri, it's not like that. Here's what they do in Kansas City. They build a house and they, beautiful house, like beautiful house. They build it and they put it on a piece of land and there's no fence it's a neighborhood of exposed and vulnerable houses. And as a Texan, I, just, I remember looking at this going, when are they going to finish this neighborhood? No, it's done. It's just they, they don't share our love that we have for, for fences. It was crazy. So depending on your background, um, you can probably be able to see and, and, and feel kind of our love for, for fences. And I want you to think about this with me. What do fences do? Well, first, they keep people out. They keep them out. Those who are not us keeps them out. Um, In Dallas, it keeps them from even looking in. I mean, that's how serious Dallas fences are. But it keeps them out. And and typically, these big, even the biggest, fanciest fences, they have gates. And those gates, what do they do? Well, most of the time, they're not just open and for everyone to walk in. Normally, they are locked to where only those who are in can come in. Keeps them out, keeps, keeps, keeps um, others from looking in and coming in. Now, more than that, though, how many have kids or dogs? What else do fences do? They keep us in. So they keep them out. They keep us in. It's as a parent, you don't want to be in fear that your four-year-old is like roaming the neighborhood or your dog is sprinting away, chasing people. They give you peace of mind. So we love our fences. They keep the them out and they keep the us in. That's what fences do. I want to talk about fences this morning uh, because Not only do we love a good fence for our backyard, but as Paul is going to reveal in us, we also tend to love our fences in other areas, in our relationships, in our communities, uh, 
in our churches, we're fence people. We are fence people. And we're more like Dallas than we are Kansas City. I just got to say that. We love, we love our fences. Um, now, some of these fences, as we're going to talk about, are very important. But others are not. And here in this text, um, Paul is going to reveal some fences that need to come tumbling down. Uh, here's the reality before we read this together. When it's your house, when it's your property, when it's yours, then your fence makes sense. It's completely appropriate. But how many know that putting up a fence on someone else's property is not appropriate ever? Right? That's never, don't do that. I love McAllister Park. I love it. Trails. How crazy would it be? Do you think the city would love this if I just went out and put my fences up around the property? Say, you know what? I want my husky to be able to roam free. I want my kids to be able to hit these trails without people. I'm just going to put these fences. The city would not love that. Why? Because that property's not mine. And it's inappropriate for me to put up fences around things that are not mine. Um, Completely inappropriate. See, Although some fences are, are appropriate, definitely, we're going to look at some of those today, Paul is going to reveal in this text fences that do need to come down because they're wildly inappropriate. Wildly inappropriate. So we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 12 of chapter 4 today, and uh, in order to kind of get there, we need to kind of take in 7 and 8 as well, um, because in verse 9 it says this Is this blessing, well, this blessing that verse 9 talks about is is actually verses 7 and 8. So so I want to start here. Let's let's get caught up. Let's listen to 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The man is blessed whose lawless deeds are forgiven, sins are covered, and not counted against him. So this is the man, the woman, that is blessed. Now Paul asks the question, is this blessing only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Now I want to pause here. Um, Earlier this week, we had a good laugh as a team uh, because if there was an award given to the Protestant church that has talked more about circumcision than any other church we would probably win that award. It is, we've gone through Genesis, we've gone through First Corinthians, and we have just, man, it would go to us here at Stone Oak Bible Church. I will never forget <laughs> a few years ago, um, this is basic 101 of what not to do if you want to see your church grow, by the way. So what I'm, this was awesome. Uh, a few years ago, it was, it was on Mother's Day, <laughs> and it just so happened that we fell on a text that dealt with circumcision on Mother's Day. And uh, so it's like, happy, glad you're here. Welcome to Stone Oak Bible. Let's talk about circumcision. It was wonderful. Um, and in addition to that, it was Craig, our executive pastor, who was preaching. And in addition to that, his mom was here. It was awesome. It was just so perfect. Nothing like preaching about circumcision to your mom on Mother's Day. But we have dealt with circumcision a lot as a church because here's the reality. Scripture deals with circumcision a lot. 
a lot. And it, it, this deserves a bit of a quick note here before we move on. Um, in our modern culture, the issue of circumcision is very different from the ancient church culture. Very, very different. For us, circumcision is this decision that parents make when they have a baby boy. Um, and very rarely does it have any theological significance whatsoever, any religious significance in our modern, in our modern context. But I want us to understand something here that was not at all the case in the early, the ancient church, first century church. For them, circumcision was their identity. It identified them as the covenant people of God. It was a sign of the covenant. From the time of Abraham, circumcision had signified that they were a part of God's people and, and who was not. It was identity. Circumcision was given to them by God himself. Gave them circumcision. And it had been practiced by God's people for thousands and thousands of of years. And and circumcision had a deep meaning for the Jewish people. And then something crazy and amazing and wonderful happened. The gospel spread. And Gentiles, or non-Jewish men and women... We're responding in faith to Jesus Christ. They were being saved. They were being changed. They were being filled by the Spirit. They were being brought into the church. Praise the Lord. How awesome is that? But in this moment is when Paul asks the question, is this blessing, that is forgiveness of sins, that is cleansing from unrighteousness, that is salvation, is this blessing only for those who are circumcised or the uncircumcised as well. Does this blessing only come to the circumcised or who are uncircumcised? It's a really good and a really important question because it reveals, follow with me here, a potential fence. A potential fence um, that we might have up. In this text and for these people, the fence is circumcision. Paul is asking clearly and directly, is circumcision an appropriate fence to have around the gospel? Is circumcision an appropriate fence for the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's Paul's question. So let's hear how Paul responds and how he's going to take us deeper now with some questions. Listen to this. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? See, what Paul's doing is he's pulling us back. We are made righteous by, by faith alone, just like Abraham was counted righteous by faith alone. So Paul asks, how was it counted? When was it counted? Was it before or after this act of circumcision? Which one came first? The faith or the action of his faith? Which one came first? Paul continues, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. It's obvious, right? It's like super, super obvious but incredibly important. 
incredibly important. Uh, Faith did not come from circumcision or any other act. It was the opposite. The circumcision came from the faith. That's what Paul is, is showing us. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. All right. Think about it like this. This is a Texas Ranger jersey. Um, I love the Texas Rangers. I will forgive you if you're one of those California people that, that, that don't. Um, love the Texas Rangers. But let me ask you something real quick. So, this right here. Does this make me a Texas Ranger? Does it? Thank you. Give you a resounding no on this. All this does is make me a a normal dude wearing a blue ranger shirt. That's all this does. All this is, that's, that's all this is. See, putting this jersey on does not make me a member of their roster. It, it doesn't. It, it, but let's imagine something with me. So let's imagine that next season, <clears throat> we're not doing too hot this season, so next season. Um, in, the, in the draft, let, let's just imagine that I, your pastor, was, was drafted. Pretty awesome. And, and I was signed. I received a contract. I joined their roster. And I was given this jersey. And I put it on. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this jersey means a lot more, doesn't it? All of a sudden, this, this jersey <clears throat> means something so much more. I'm no longer a dude who can throw... A terrible fastball. I'm no longer an average dude wearing a blue shirt. I'm a Texas Ranger. And this jersey here is the sign that I am a Texas Ranger. In other words, the jersey could be a sign of belonging to the team, or it could just be a normal dude in a blue shirt. The way to join the team is not to wear the shirt, okay? The, the way to join the team, it, it, we don't join the team by putting on the shirt. The, the shirt is simply a sign of someone who is signed a contract and is on the roster and is on the team. Abraham's faith church was not counted to him because he was circumcised. His circumcision was in, in obedience was in obedience because he, he believed. His faith was counted to him as righteousness apart from circumcision. Abraham rocked a ranger jersey because he was a ranger. You understand? He didn't just put on the jersey so that he could be a part of the team. And Paul is very clear here. He received, Paul says, the sign of circumcision as the seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. I want you to hear me here. Righteousness or righteous action does not precede or come before faith. 
self-righteous action, that precedes faith. But true righteousness, righteous action, does not precede faith. Because it's only in faith that we're declared righteous, Paul says. Only in faith. See, Abraham was a child of God, declared righteous by God through faith in God before he was circumcised. So what was circumcision? As this verse says, in this verse, Paul says circumcision is two things. Number one, a sign. Number two, a seal. Circumcision as a sign, just like the jersey, pointed to something beyond itself, to a reality that it represented. It was a sign that I was a part of the team. And Paul says it's a seal, uh, just like the team, a real team jersey given by the team manager to a real player. It, it, it authenticates, I can't say that word, Authentic. I'm going to move on. Um, it, makes it makes it authentic, there it is, that I am a real player. It, it gives an official, an ongoing reminder of the reality, the fact that we belong. For, for Abraham, it, it showed his righteousness by faith. It demonstrated it, the, the faith that he had while he was still uncircumcised. This is huge. This is, this is huge. For Abraham, circumcision served as a sign. It served as a seal. But I want you to follow me. It did not, it does not, and it cannot serve as a fence. It cannot. Listen, listen to this. Paul continues. The purpose, he says, that is God's grand and sovereign plan and purpose, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So that righteousness would be counted to them as well. I don't want us to miss this. The purpose was to make him a father of all who believe from every tribe, tongue, nation, people, all who believe. The purpose was not to use Abraham as, as to use Abraham to set up any kind of fence to keep them out and us in. That's not why God gave us Abraham and called him. That wasn't the purpose of Abraham to set up all these fences. Um, In my case, as a Gentile follower of Jesus, I am very grateful for that fact. It wasn't to put obstacles or stumbling blocks. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose of Abraham was not to force the world world to convert to Judaism in order to have a chance with Jesus. It's not the purpose. The truth is that Jesus wants nothing to do with our fences. Nothing to do with our fences. All of the fences that keep the thems out and justify ourselves being a part of the in crowd. Jesus wants nothing to do with our fences. Nothing. The purpose of Abraham, as as Paul just said, was to be a light to all the nations. To reveal the righteousness that comes by grace through faith alone. That was the purpose. God's purpose. And then I want you to listen to my favorite verse of all in this whole thing. Listen to this. And to make him the father, 
to make him the father of the circumcised, who were not merely circumcised. Who not, in other words, not only do they have the blue team jersey, not only do they go through the motions, not only do they know all the religious actions they should take, the goal of the gospel is not to simply make you a more well-behaved heathen. It's not the goal. That is not the purpose. It's not enough. It's not enough. Paul instead says, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This is authentic faith. Do you trust and believe in Jesus Christ and then do you walk in the footsteps of faith? That's, that's what Paul is getting at here. And I want to be honest, our community does not just need more well-behaved heathens. Our community needs heathens who have been saved by grace through faith. Who truly believe and trust in Jesus. Who have been transformed and are being transformed by the power of God. Who walk in the footsteps of the faith. Our community needs authentic Christ followers. In other words, our community doesn't need people who live their lives for themselves and then ask that Jesus would bless them on that endeavor. Ask that Jesus would follow them. So you have that whoop, flipped around. We need people who, who live their lives for Jesus, who seek to bless him and do what he said and follow him. This, was, this is God's plan. I want us to come back to what we talked about right in the beginning. Because here's the reality. Our struggle, most likely, is not today circumcision. I would venture a guess that not many of us have had heated, passionate theological debates. Maybe you have, but most of us have not. Because circumcision is, is probably not the fence that we put up in the modern church, American church. In fact, I don't know of one church who puts that fence up. I don't know of one. But oh, do we have our fences. And the beauty of this verse, oh, I love this, the beauty of this verse is that the principles kind of all still apply because at the heart it's a fence. And, and what I love is even if you were to substitute the word circumcision with any of your fences, guess what? It still makes sense. Let me give you a good example. Baptism. I love baptism. We get to celebrate baptism in a couple weeks. I cannot wait. Let me use Paul's words. Is the blessing then only for the baptized? Or also for the unbaptized. And when were they counted righteous? Was it before or after the act of baptism? See, same text and the same response still stands true, does it not? It's, it's, we are justified by grace, the grace of God through faith, not through our baptism. We were justified and saved by grace through faith, and then our baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. 
See, our God is not only, I don't even say not only, our God is not at all concerned with man-made outward-in religion. God wants your heart and true faith in Jesus. True faith is this inside-out process. Think about it like this. For one, for one person, circumcision is merely a surgical procedure. To another, circumcision is a sign and seal of true faith in Yahweh. In both cases, it was the same action. But, different heart. The same is true with baptism. For one, baptism is merely a momentary dunk in slightly cold water. It's getting wet in front of people. Yet for another, baptism is the wonderful celebration of Christ's work as a sign of his work accomplished in an act of obedience to Jesus. And my favorite thing in the world to celebrate. See, same action, different heart. Same action, different, different heart. And it's not just circumcision, it's not just baptism. We can plug in, we can plug in. How about church attendance? How about giving and generosity to the church and to others outside who are in need? How about being a part of true community in a community group? How about your political alignment? How about your activism? I could go on and on. Chances are you could too. And chances are right now the Holy Spirit might be even revealing even more that is on your heart. But in every single case, Paul's question remains, is the blessing then only for the baptized? Is the blessing then only for the church attender? For the one who gives and for the one who serves in the church and outside? Is the blessing only for the true church community who are in community together? Is the blessing only for Republicans? Is the blessing only for those who stand on these, in these, uh, Active in these important issues in our community? You hear the heart of the question? The heart of the question is this Is the blessing only for those who make it into my fence? Paul's asking, Is the blessing only for those who make it into my fence? the fence that I have put up. Remember what fences do. They keep the them out and they keep the us in. So is the blessing of God only for those in my fence? Hear me. You might have an awesome fence that would make all Dallas fences jealous. You might have one of those fences. You might have a noble fence and a good fence. And let me be very clear. In our text, circumcision is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. Something given to them by God. Not a bad thing, an evil thing. Maybe your fence is a good thing. Baptism is a great thing. Coming to church and giving community activism, it's woo, good. Not bad. But God doesn't want you and your fences. He doesn't want your fences. 
And, and, and all of these things, although they may be great, they make lousy fences that cause terrible division. They, they create division that Christ himself came to destroy. That's what they do. That's what our fences do. I'm reminded of Ephesians 2. I can't help it. I'm going to have to read this. Um, it's a little long. You don't have to necessarily turn here with me, but, but in Ephesians chapter 2, um, I have to read this because what Paul says here just is just mind-blowing. It's, it's beautiful, and therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. It's a long intro sentence. Bear with me. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And just described all of us. But now, in Christ Jesus... But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and hear this, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, a.k.a. your fence, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. It might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. I was going to stop, but I need to bear with me a little more. And he came and preached to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Church, how is that for clarity? How is this for clarity? Jesus does not want your fences. In fact, he came to break them down. He came to break them down. He came to destroy the wall, to destroy the fence that we keep trying to throw up. The truth is, circumcision, baptism, church involvement, giving, activism, whatever it is, all of these things make wonderful acts of worship, acts of obedience, but they make lousy fences. They make lousy fences. They are excellent acts of obedience, whereas Paul says we can now walk in the footsteps of the faith but they make lousy, lousy fences. See, to one, let me go back to this, circumcision is mere surgery. Baptism is just getting wet. 
church attendance is coming to a social club and hearing a motivational speech once in a while. Giving is philanthropy, but to another, hear me, whether it be circumcision, baptism, church attendance, community group, giving, activism, to one, it's an act of worship. As we step, take steps in the faith, in the walk of faith, as Paul says in this text. He is after your heart, not just your hands. None of the things that I have mentioned here are bad things. But each of them make lousy justifications for ourselves and absolutely lousy fences. Christ came. We are saved by faith alone through Christ alone. And I want to be clear about one thing because I don't about and those who are in and those who are not. Scripture does talk about a distinction. No more fences. No more fences. Everyone's in. Scripture doesn't talk like that. At all. Scripture does talk about the fence. The thing is, though, it is not and will never be a man-made one. It is not and will never be a man-made fence. See, God in his perfect holiness, he establishes the one and only fence. And, and the fence that scripture talks about is, is not a fence that is put in place by any human being, by any person. And, 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 it's not a fence that can be scaled or climbed by any human being or person. The fence that scripture speaks about is faith in Christ alone for our salvation, period. It's the union with Christ through the work of the Spirit by, the, by grace through faith. You cannot scale the fence by your works, no matter how good they are. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And more than that, God is not interested in us constructing any like secondary or you know, a fence before you get to the real fence. He's not interested in that. Our God is not interested in that. To separate us from them, all of our fences fall flat. And I don't know about you, but we are naturally, I believe, all of us, fence people. We're fence people. We're naturally tribal. We love, we love clear markers that tell me that you are them and you are us. We love clear markers and ways to cut and divide. We love this. If you are disagreeing with me here, just, just look at the massive sociological, sociological experiment of Facebook right now. Um, we love division. We love tribalism. We love to separate. We, we actually look for ways to create it, and it gets more clicks faster than anything else. We love it. But the gospel is not interested in any of that. Instead, 
Scripture says that we are a people from every tribe, tongue, nation. We're that kind of people. I want you to think about this. Um, And as I say this, please don't hear me. I'm not talking about any political stance here. Um, Way deeper than that. But it's an absolute shameful embarrassment that the church has not been the primary leader and driver Let's just take one movement, for example, in the movement for racial equality. Absolute shame. It's an absolute shame. We, we might complain about the movement, and we might not like the way it's being led. Okay, I don't care. I'm not talking about the politics. Let's get under this and say, what should the people of God be doing? We should be upset that we weren't driving this. That we weren't primarily driving this. Why? Why? Because we are a people who have been brought together by Christ, and race is not offense. It might be offense for someone else who doesn't know Jesus, but in here, we don't have that fence. We should be glad to see that fence fall flat, and we should be glad to be a part of toppling it. We are naturally fence people. And as followers of Jesus, we, we must do two things. We must proclaim the fences that our God and his word have established. We must proclaim that fence while avoiding setting up any additional fences on our own. Does that make sense? We need to be committed to proclaiming what scripture says while avoiding setting up any of these extra fences. And you might say, well, yeah, pastor, but in this text, circumcision was given by God. Wasn't that a God fence? No. No, it was not. No, it was not. Because God did, he did indeed give them circumcision to set them apart as an act of worship and obedience, as a sign, as a seal, yes and amen. But he did not give them circumcision to be used as a weapon or to be used as a way to justify themselves above anyone else. He didn't give it to them to be this fence that keeps those heathens out. Even good things make lousy fences. So what fences do we need to pull down? It's going to start with us. It's going to start with us as people, us as families, and us as the church. It's going to start with us. In what area of your life have you made offense? You can probably tell one of the areas that you've made offense when you hold it as a requirement for your community that they need to be a certain way, look a certain way, in order to have a chance of being in with you. It's a good, good example of offense. Very few of us know anyone who represents an opposing opinion. We surround ourselves with people who are in our tribe.